0: It's a bit sobering to think about the fact that uh, a year ago those of us who live here in our community uh, were watching TV probably from somewhere else in the southeast or in the country uh, wondering if we'd have a home to come home to. And uh, if you look around and consider the fact that it was just a year ago that a uh, pretty strong category one, almost category two, hurricane hit this area, uh, it doesn't even look like it, does it? And we have a lot to be thankful for today, don't we, church? We have a lot to be thankful for in our community. I I realize that that there are are some of you who were without a home for a while, or perhaps you're still in the rebuilding process. And uh, for you, I know that the pain is still there. It still exists. The memory for all of us exists of having to come home and figure out how to rebuild and clean up and Um, We we learned a lot about things that we never really talked about before, like evacuation and, uh, you know, debris. We learned a lot about the word debris, didn't we, (laughs) around here and around these parts. And so uh, I want to take some time this morning and just give God thanks for what he's done in this community. And I realize that's maybe a little bit selfish because when you look around the world and you think about what's going on around the world, uh, it feels selfish to give God thanks. So at the same time, I want us to pray. And we need to ask for God's guidance and his blessing for the people who live in the Las Vegas area and people who are affected by last week's events. And doesn't even make sense. There's nothing about it that makes sense. It's hard to comprehend, hard to understand, hard to even put words to. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to pray anyway. And we have a lot of people in Puerto Rico to pray for. We have a lot of people still in in Texas and in Florida who are putting their lives back together. And so as we give God thanks for what he's done in our community. Um, I'm going to ask us also to pray um, for his will to be done in our nation. I was thinking in the last service I could probably spend a half an hour just talking about the things that have happened just in the western hemisphere. Um, it's, It's really amazing and it dovetails into our message today. But I think we need to begin by by appealing to God and by asking for his mercy and for his help and by giving him thanks. So would you join me today as we pray? Father God, I thank you so much um, that you are at work, even in the midst of things we don't understand, even in the midst of personal and national and worldwide crisis, even in the midst of natural disasters, and hurricanes, and shootings, and massacres, um, God, we know that you are still in charge. And in this day and age where there's so much uncertainty in the world, we recognize that you are still in control of those who are in control. And God, there's a day coming where all of this will be done, and you will win, and I we're reminded of that this morning, and we want to thank you specifically for being with the South Carolina Lowcountry over the last year. God, I thank you so much for sparing the those that you spared in Hurricane Matthew and for helping us rebuild our lives and, in many cases, our homes. God, we give you the honor and the glory. And one of the things that you did through Matthew was, I believe, that you opened up new avenues of ministry for Hilton Head Island Community Church and many of the churches here on this island who are passionate about seeing your message go forth. A lot of the layers of the onion were unpeeled over the last year, God, and for that, we want to get on your page. We want to join in what you're doing, and we want to be a part of your message being proclaimed in this area and in our nation and around the world. And God, I pray right now for the, for the people of, of Las Vegas. Uh, it is impossible to make sense of what happened last week, but it's so tragic, and it hurts so deeply on so many levels, and I pray for the families who were affected. God, I pray for those whose family members were a a week ago with them, and now they're gone. And God, wherever they live, I, I pray for peace, and I pray for comfort, but most of all, I pray for spiritual reconciliation. I pray that you would use this horrible event to draw them to you. Put people and things in their lives that would draw them to you. I pray for our churches. I can think of three pastors by name who, God, are, are a part of that community there in Las Vegas. And I pray right now, even as they're getting up to, to bring your word to people who are hurting, God, that your Holy Spirit would move in Sin City. That can happen. And as we prayed as a group of people last week for a revival to begin there, I, I pray that you would begin, that your Holy Spirit would begin moving right now. I pray for the people of Mexico who have been through two earthquakes and the people of Puerto Rico who have been through a terrible, tragic hurricane and the people of uh, Texas and Florida. And God, I pray that you would help them rebuild their lives. And God, I pray that your word would be made known, that your gospel, your good news would be made known and that you're high and lifted up as a result of these things. We give the next few minutes to you. God, may we learn a truth. May you lead us into a truth about what it means to be a truth teller as a lion tamer. God, help us to be strong and courageous, just like Daniel was in the business of speaking the truth to lions. Go with us now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. For those of you I don't know, my name is Todd. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm really glad that you're here. And if you have your Bibles today, uh, you can turn to Matthew. We're going to be in a lot of different scripture, but Matthew 2, 4, and 5, chapters 2, 4, and 5 today. And, And some of you are like, hey, if we're in Daniel and we miss chapter 3, that's like the most important part. Because when we think of the Old Testament character of Daniel, we think of Daniel and the what? You can say it with me. The lion's den, right? Yeah. Absolutely, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, right? We think of that. And, and so what we're doing in this series called Lion Tamers, we're taking a look at the life of Daniel, which really is described in the first six chapters of Daniel, and, and we're trying to glean what we can from his life. And wow, it was an exciting, uh, amazing life, a, a life that was, was lived in, in courage for God and not in fear for, for what might happen. But that didn't happen automatically. The, the story that we're looking at takes place about 500 years after David, about 500 years roughly before Jesus, and, and it really takes place because of a group of people who were in Jerusalem, uh, this, really the, the city where, where everything began with the nation of Israel, God's people, and uh, they were taken captive by one of the most terrifying horrific kings that has ever existed on the face of the earth, King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar was was an evil, violent person who came into Jerusalem and the things that he did to take over that city, it's, it's hard to even speak of what he did. And he took a group of them, he took them captive out of Israel or out of Jerusalem and he took them to Babylon and it's a long way away. And so we find Daniel, a young boy who watched King Josiah's character and watched him come in and, and, and bring the things of God back to the people of Judah and the Jewish people. And last week we began by taking a look at Daniel chapter 1 and we said that Daniel made a physical, a personal physical stand for God, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they they made a personal stand for God by choosing to deny or to reject the king's food and the king's wine because they knew that God, their great king, had a better plan. And so they ate vegetables and they ate things from the pulse or the ground and They made a huge impact by by choosing to be pure within. And they chose to be people of integrity. And we said last week that becoming a lion tamer begins when we honestly assess our own level of personal integrity. And that integrity is not, we're not born with it. It's something that is learned and developed and displayed. And as a result of their integrity, Daniel and his friends, they were respected by the king. And they became what essentially amounts to counselors for the king. And so we see this one who is being set up to tell the truth to a king. And an evil, violent, savage king at that. And I want to let you know today that Daniel was someone who was growing in terms of his influence. But at this point in time in the story, there's been nothing that's affected the king yet. There's been nothing that Daniel's done to affect the king specifically because we see the king, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, go through this up and down in terms of his relationship with the Lord, just like Israel had, but there are two dreams that he has that are written about by Daniel in chapter 2 and, or in, chapter two and in chapter 4 of Daniel, and then we're going to take a look at those two dreams, and we're going to take a look at the third dream, which is uh, a dream that was given, or a vision that was given to his son, Belshazzar, the king who came right after Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, and I want to let you know right out of the gates, because I know some of you are thinking, some of you who maybe grew up in church and you might have a little bit of Bible background, you're like, oh man, we're going to dive into some, some really good prophecy today. Um, no, we're not. <laughs> so you can go ahead and send me the emails, but I'll tell you what I'll say. I'll say, hey, we're looking at the life of Daniel, we'll do the prophecy and what God was telling us, um, that's for another time in another message series, because we want to glean what we can from his life. And so that's what we're doing today, and we're going to be looking at how he responded to the king who was the lion in his life at first, Nebuchadnezzar, and this other king. Belshazzar now um, Nebuchadnezzar as I mentioned was this evil ruthless king and and, and he has uh, a series of two dreams that Daniel is involved in interpreting and and I'll tell you right out of the gates what we're going to learn today is this if you and I are going to become lion tamers we've got to learn to effectively speak truth to the lions in our lives we're going to be taking a look. I know some of you are like, man, when are we going to get to the lion and the den and the you know, fiery furnace? That's the good stuff of Daniel. It is. It is. That's, that's, the, that's the drama. That's why you go see the movie, right? It's for that. But, man, there's so much to be learned in the other parts. And so that's what we're going to learn today. And we're going to be taking a look at the fact that the kings that Daniel had to face, and there were more than one king, so there were really three and possibly a fourth king that he had influence with, they're the ones who are the lions. And I, I realize that like in this room, um, that we're probably not going to have too many of you or me um, who will one day have great influence with a king or a president, right? Like it's... Probably not going to happen. If it does, great, man, let us know about that. That would be cool to watch. But uh, we have a lot of lions in our lives anyway, don't we? We have a lot of people in our lives that have influence, maybe in a smaller way, but a more meaningful way or even an equal meaningful way than a king did. And so a lion for you may not be a king. It may not be a president. It might not even be an official, but it might be someone who's a leader in the community or in your neighborhood or students it might be with a professor once you get to college and they challenge the way that you think and that you believe and you have an opportunity to stand for the truth or it could be a boss or it might even be a spouse or yeah even a parent or a child or a pastor. And if you want to know a name of one, I can tell you. It's not going to be me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. It could be that the lion that you're faced with is someone who's in authority over you right now, just like it was for Daniel. And it could be that you hear something that they say is truth, and you go, "Man, that does not sound like it's God's word." We're going to be looking at what Daniel did today to speak truth to a lion. And I got thinking about why is it so hard to speak truth to a lion well there's a lot of reasons that I think it's hard to speak truth in general I think the first and foremost and for some of you this is less hard than it is others and this message for you may come like that today and that's awesome but for the rest of us this is something that we need to hear and we need to have the spirit of God lead us on and help develop our lives because sometimes telling the truth to a lion exposes weakness in us and that's difficult And sometimes speaking truth to the lion exposes a weakness in them. And I don't know about you, I don't want to mess with exposing the weakness of a lion to the lion himself. It could be that in communicating or speaking the truth, it hurts someone who we're afraid to hurt because we actually love them. It could be that you're like me, you're a people pleaser. And man, speaking the truth is is something that you know you're going to disappoint the lion. You don't want to disappoint the lion. But in Daniel's case, what it is, is that he reveals something ominous. Man, when we have to tell truth that's ominous to a lion, look out. The results may be dangerous. Now, Daniel, has these, uh, Daniel is confronted with interpreting these first dreams, and we're going to take a look in chapter 2. Let's go right to God's word and take a look at uh, Daniel chapter 2. Now, what's happened is the king has brought his magicians and his enchanters and what's the Chaldeans in these people that he relied on to interpret his dreams. And he said, hey, everybody, I had this dream, and, and, and I, I need an interpretation on this dream. And they respond by stroking his ego. They're like, oh, great and glorious king, you're the best ever. That's one way to respond to the truth, right? It's just by stroking the ego of the lion, stroking the ego of the king, just just spouting things that are really meaningless and uh, really have no authenticity. And he responds in verse 5 of Daniel chapter 2 this way. He says, the king answered, and he said to the Chaldeans, this word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb to limb, and your house shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Uh, This guy is probably not like the best motivational speaker in the world, right? Right? You know, like, it's all about fear and intimidation. It's all about power and position with Nebuchadnezzar. He's not going to be the one that's going to, like, train leaders how to inspire other leaders because his way is all about fear and intimidation. And they answered and they said this, well, just show us a dream in verse 6, but if you show the dream and its interpretation, he says, you shall receive from me gifts and honor. Verse 7, they answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we shall show its interpretation. And the king answered and said, I know with certainty that you're trying to gain time. You're just trying to waste time, trying to buy time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream made known to me, there's one sentence for you. You've agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time change. Time change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. So what King Nebuchadnezzar's doing here is he's gathered his, his advisors to interpret this dream, but he doesn't want to tell them the dream. He's testing them. He wants to see if they know what the dream is in the first place before they even give him the interpretation. You know, there's something about lions, people in powerful positions, it's kind of like King Nebuchadnezzar. They're often extremely unrealistic, am I right? They're often not rooted in reality. Lions usually are not really like something that thinks through things, they're just demanding. They're just hungry, right? Lions are hungry, they're not realistic. And so all of these people that are brought in, they kind, of, they kind of respond in verse 10. He says, there's not a man on earth, king, who can meet the king's demand, for no powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. So a, d- a decree went out, verse 13 tells us, that all of the wise men are to be killed. And who's included in the wise men? Daniel. He's one of the wise men and his companions. And so we, if we read on, we, we'll skip down all the way to verse 17. Then Daniel went into his house, and he made the matter known to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions. Those are the, ones, those are the Jewish names uh, for the names that the king gave, gave them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he told them in verse 18, and I don't want you to miss this. Look at this in verse eight, 18. And he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning the mystery of the king's dream, so that Daniel and his friends and companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Skip down to verse twenty six. He goes and he visits the king. Daniel goes in front of the king, and the king declares to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the interpretation? And Daniel said this. He said, no wise man, no enchanter, no magician or astrologer can show the king the mystery that the king has asked for, but look at verse 28. He says, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And so in this moment, when Daniel is faced with the lion in his life, that at this point in time is King Nebuchadnezzar, who's trying to ask something, or is asking for something absolutely insane and ridiculous, what does Daniel do? He appeals to God in heaven. He appeals to God in heaven, and he gives glory, and he gives honor. He says there is a God in heaven. And then Daniel goes on, And he actually interprets the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And the dream is all about this giant statue that's made of all of this precious metal. And a stone comes in and and destroys the whole thing. And essentially, the bottom line in the dream is, is that all these different nations will be destroyed over time. But the first nation that's going to be destroyed, King Nebuchadnezzar, is yours. Put yourself in Daniel's shoes for a second. Like, God has given them the ability to interpret this dream. And the dream is not, you know, a dream about Nebuchadnezzar's power and wealth continuing or expanding. It's not about Nebuchadnezzar having all these great generations of children and all of these these things that are good and and good for Nebuchadnezzar and, and Babylon. It's about Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar being destroyed. This is not a good career move for Daniel at all. And I don't know about you, but I'd be like, hey, God, uh, is there a second interpretation of this dream? Is there better news that I can deliver to the lion? But Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar anyway. And what happened, we see in verse 46, Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and he paid homage to Daniel. And go all the way down to, to verse 48. The king gave Daniel high honor and many gifts. But in verse 47, to go back up for a moment, the king answered and said to Daniel, truly, Your God is God and Lord of the kings. You see, this savage terrorist of a king turned to God because of Daniel's obedience to tell the lion the truth. A second dream comes along. We find it in Daniel 4, and I'm not going to go into details, but Daniel essentially has to interpret this dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has, and the interpretation is is that King Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to end up on all fours, and your whole body is going to change into what amounts to an animal, and you're going to be scratching the ground and have water on your back, and you're going to turn into what I kind of picture as like a combination of about five different animals. Again, not a great career move to be able to tell the king this terrible news. And in an instant, what Daniel interprets a dream as ha- happens to King Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel tells him, therefore, O King, in verse twenty-seven of Daniel four, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sin by practicing righteousness, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may be there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. And immediately everything that Daniel said about the dream in verse 33 happened. But look at what happens in 34. At the end of the days, verse 34. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. And my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures for generation to generation. Yet again. Again. Because of Daniel's obedience to tell the truth to a lion, we send Nebuchadnezzar turning back to the Lord. And every indication is is that Nebuchadnezzar ended his life giving praise to the one true God. And then there's a third dream, and this comes from Belshazzar. Nebuchadnezzar's son, a handwriting on the wall appears to him in a vision. By the way, that's where we get that phrase from. If you ever were wondering, a little trivia, the next time somebody says that to you, there's a handwriting on the wall, you can say, hey, let me tell you, that comes from Daniel chapter 4 in the Bible, and they'll be, like, surprised and impressed. Okay, little little nugget there for trivia for you. All right, so... He has this this vision of this this hand, and he he goes to his wife, and he says, all of my my counsel, they can't interpret this dream. How can I have this terrible dream that's bothered me interpreted? And she says, well, duh, your dad, he got his interpreted by this guy named Daniel. Bring him in. Bring him into the court. And I'm sure Daniel's at this point in time like, man, enough of these dreams. I'm kind of sick of this stuff. But he doesn't say that, does he? He does what God's told him to do, and he interprets the dream. And what happens in Daniel 5 is, is we see him interpreting this dream where this king, the son of King Nebuchadnezzar, sees this handwriting on the wall, and the hand writes several different things, and uh, among them are, are some things that Daniel interprets this way, and God gave Daniel the, the, the answer to this, this vision that he was going to be destroyed, and that the whole kingdom of Babylon was going to be destroyed. Look at verse 22, where Daniel tells him what he's supposed to do, and you, Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart like Nebuchadnezzar finally did, though you knew all of this. It's not like he didn't know what his dad went through. He knew exactly what he went through. He watched him finally humble himself at the end of his life, but he didn't humble himself. In verse 23, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. Going down a little bit, it says... You have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze, but the God in whose hands is your breath and who are all your ways you have not honored. In verse, we skip down to the end of the chapter and we see that very night in verse 30, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. You see, this is the end of this great nation of Babylon. This is the end of King Nebuchadnezzar and his son's reign. This is it. Here come the Medes and the Persians. And In history, at some point in time, probably in in, elementary school or middle school, um, you learned about the Medes and the Persians coming to power around the world. That's what happens here. And there's so many things that tell us about what happened in history leading up to this time and so many things later in Daniel that tell us about what's going to happen in the future. But i got to tell you, what's happening right here in Daniel's life is he learns how to speak truth to a lion. He wasn't intimidated by the potential response. How did he do it? How did he speak truth to the lion? Five things this morning I think we can glean from Daniel. First and foremost, he spoke the truth and he left the results to God. He spoke the truth, and he left the results to God. Three times Daniel interprets these dreams and visions that these two kings have, and three times God tells them to speak the truth, truth to that lion that they probably didn't want to hear. And Daniel spoke it anyway. Daniel spoke it anyway. God told him to speak the truth, and you and I, we don't have to be Daniel to be a Daniel. We don't have to be someone who has a picture and a vision that God's given us of the future to speak the truth in the life of someone who has great importance in our lives or in the lives of others. In fact, Jesus tells us in in John chapter 8, he said, um, when he was talking to, to his disciples and to his people, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will, I want you to say that next word with me, you will what? Know the truth. And the truth will do what? Set you free. See, Daniel understood that the truth would set him free. And that's what he did. He spoke the truth And he left the results to the Lord. But sometimes um, we as Christians, we have a habit of claiming that we're speaking the truth and all we're doing is really trying to get our way. Take God's word and we change it and manipulate it for our benefit. And so we have to be careful to not speak the truth that will help us. To not speak the truth that will promote us. To not speak the truth that does us a favor, but to speak the truth Jesus said according to God's word. It's God's truth, not our agenda. It's God's truth, not what we think is right. It's God's truth, not our political thoughts on things. And if we want to discern whether or not we're speaking God's truth, you know where we go to find it? His word. And we compare it to his word and we check ourselves. Not one time did Daniel ever do anything to promote his own agenda. Not one time. Not one time did Daniel ever bow up and and try to change things to, to make him look better. But he spoke the truth and he left the results to God. How do we speak truth to a lion? Secondly, we enlist friends for prayer and wisdom. I love it when Daniel is interpreting that first dream of Nebuchadnezzar in verse 17 and 18. He goes to his house and he makes this matter known to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 18, verse 18, and he told them to seek mercy from God. He says, seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. And that night once he asked his friends to begin to pray for him. All of a sudden, the truth was revealed to Daniel. All of a sudden, he had the courage to go in and tell the king something that he probably didn't want to hear. You see, we can't speak the truth to a lion unless we have people praying for us, church. We can't have great influence for the Lord unless we have people who are interceding on our behalf. We can't speak truth. To the lion, unless we ourselves are asking God for mercy and clarity and discernment. In fact, wow, we do the church and the gospel a great disservice when we go in our own power, don't we? Part of the reason that I know that is because I've tried to do that on occasion. Part of the reason I know that is because I've tried to go into battle without having friends who are praying for me and for the situation. Prayer is vital if we're going to confront the And Third, the third thing that we can learn from Daniel's life about confronting and speaking truth to the lions is that we've got to give credit to God for the truth. I think my favorite verse in, in these three chapters is verse 28, 27 and 28 of chapter 2. Daniel answered the king And he said, there's no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers that can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. And I don't know about you, but when I I end that verse, I'm expecting the next verse to be this. But I know the real deal, king. I got all the answers because I'm Daniel. And you've put me on your court. And you've asked me to be one of those who provides wisdom and understanding of your dreams. And I've got all the answers. But Daniel doesn't do that, does he? He says this in verse 28 But there is a God in heaven. He gives credit to God. He doesn't try to promote himself, he gives credit and acknowledgement to God. And once he does that, God does amazing things because Daniel was obedient. Fourthly, we approach the line with humility and peace and respect not one time do we ever ever, do we ever see daniel going in with this agenda to become king he doesn't want the king's throne he he doesn't want that position we don't even seem trying to to position himself for, for a greater position of influence in the king's court not one time does he ever belittle the king Not one time does he ever have this condescending attitude towards the king. You see, truth is hard for us to understand sometimes. But truth can be communicated in a way that's not condescending. (laughs) It's not always easy. But with God, we can do it. His only intention is to promote God. And to promote godly values. And so he approached the line with humility and peace. And then lastly, this is fun. Allow those who help to share in the victory that speaking the truth brings. I love it when it's all done in chapter 2. I love it that that Daniel, in verse 49, once the king gives Daniel honor, and once he's given honor to God, the king gives honor to God. In verse 49, Daniel makes a request to the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Now next week you're going to find out why, why that wasn't a great career move for them. <laughs> and they were probably like, thanks Daniel for that. <laughs> but Daniel didn't forget those who went with him. You know, our lines are probably not going to be kings and presidents and even people who hold office, but you are going to face a day, and I'm going to face a day. Coming not too far in the distant future, where we're going to be faced with having to stand up and face lions for the truth of God's word. And if you look at what's going on around the world, it's setting the stage for a time when we're going to have to be ready to give an account as the word of God says. And we're going to have to speak the truth. Years ago, I was in a situation where a boss of mine was doing something that um, was not exactly um, right. And, uh, man, I I really struggled with it. And uh, I prayed through it, and God told me to confront him. And if you know me, I'm not a very confrontational person. And I prayed a lot about it, and it bothered me, and it concerned me. um, But God told me to do it, and I did it. (laughs) I would love to tell you that it went great. (laughs) but it didn't really go that well. It was not easy. He wasn't like, man, you're right. Let's go back and let's make change in our business. We're going to change the whole business plan. (laughs) He challenged me. It was not a whole lot of fun. But after a while, God began to work on his heart and things began to change. And that's just a microcosm of what you might face. That's a small thing compared to what you might face and the lion you may face in the future and I may face in the future. We may be put in a position where we do have influence for our world, for Jesus. And we can look at Daniel, this lion tamer. We can learn so much from what he did to speak truth in the life of a lion. Father God, be with us. Prepare our hearts. Prepare our minds for the day that's quickly coming. where. And it's already here in many ways. And whether it's in our schools or our homes or our businesses. In our towns. In our governments. God, where we may have to be truth tellers. And the person that we have to tell the truth to of your word is a lion. And God, we can choose to be fearful of their response we can choose to live in fear and never speak up but father god i pray that we would have the courage to speak the truth for your good and for your glory not so that we can be the hero but so that you can be the hero not so that we are made famous and can write the book but so that you are the one who's made famous you've already read it in the book god God, help us to get on your page
1: in terms of speaking
0: the truth in our, our times and our this season in our world that is so confusing. God, help us to do it with humility and grace and covered with love and not hatred. God, help us as a church, capital C, to be leaders in this, in our world when it's so confusing and 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 confounding God may you use us may we be um, your messengers for truth in an age that uh, is different than any other age that we've ever faced in humanity God help each one of us in this room who are Christ followers uh, to be men and women of integrity so that once we communicate the truth that they don't see inconsistencies in our lives and then God, when we have the opportunity, when we have the chance, God, may we trust in you. May you, the Redeemer, be with us. May we be reminded that you saved us for eternity from our sins and that we have your power on our side to speak the truth to the lion. Thanks for Daniel. God, we thank you for Daniel. We thank you for the example he was. May we walk in that spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.